What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 62 of the RXP podcast, the podcast where three working professionals talk all about their love for movies, TV shows, and video games. Today, of course, my name is Matt, and I am your host, and I am joined by Alex. Hello. And Tiffany. Video games are great. Video games are great. And you know what else is great, everybody? You can't see because, you know, we don't do this whole video thing. But Alex and Tiffany are together again. So they are sharing one mic. And we are going to figure out how well they can share (laughs) during this recording. And it's going to be great. Um, Guys, this 2022 is off to a, a great start. It is almost the end of February, right? We have a huge game that releases this week that I am pumped for. I am so excited for. Um, it may rhyme with sting, maybe, or ping, or anything. Um, and I might actually be two words. Anyway, I am so excited for games that are coming out this year, but you know what? We have some unfinished business. We have something from 2021 that is just lingering over us. For some of us, it's gonna remain lingering over us for the you know eternity future. Yeah, <laughs> some of us may be eternity. I have no idea. So we're talking about the challenge. Remember that challenge we gave like nine weeks ago, maybe even up to this point, like 12 weeks ago, like months and months ago. Well, we're, we're coming back. We're going to talk through it. We're going to say what we feel about all of those things and then maybe some other things that we plan. But Alex, I want to start with you because I, I want to start with our shining star. Like if I had a sticker and if we didn't live a full country apart, I'd probably give you a gold star, all right? Because your challenge was to platinum Guacamelee 2. Tell me about how much you you liked it or maybe even disliked that experience. So the, the platinum for Guacamelee 2 ended up taking me 15 hours total. So for okay. a like indie kind of Metroidvania, you know, brawler type of game, I thought this was the perfect length. It really was super manageable. Um, considering mm-hmm. I think the initial playthrough to just beat the game took me about nine hours on normal difficulty. So really it was only about six hours or so to replay the whole game on hard because I didn't unlock the hard difficulty from the get-go. But having played through it twice and having done all the challenges in the game, you know, all the platforming challenges, all the combat challenges, it ended up, I'd say not really changing my opinion of the game more so because originally I just loved it from the get go mm-hmm. and just going for the platinum was just a fun time to add like more gameplay on top of it. And plus on the hard difficulty, a lot of the quote unquote difficult sections were stuff that I guess I had difficulty on my initial playthrough. So it was, I had a lot of foresight going into it saying, Oh, I could see this being something that I'm going to struggle with when I played through it again. And uh, yes, I did struggle with it again. So overall, great time. I mean, Guacamelee from Drinkbox Studios, one, made me love it so much that I bought two on release, you know, support the devs. And it's a game I just didn't get around to playing uh, because I saw it more as a co-op game because you can play with up to four people. So I thought that'd be really fun. And it's something I've played with Tiffany, uh, the first and second game or part of the second game in co-op. And that's a really nice experience. Uh, but playing it by myself also made me realize, yeah, going for the platinum, I think would be nigh impossible with the second player in tow. Yeah. For uh, sure. Mostly because 
Guacamelee has that dimension swapping mechanic where enemies are either in the living dimension or dead death dimension. So the fact that you have to swap constantly between the two makes it a little bit more difficult. So being by myself made that a little easier. But besides that, just a great time. Loved it. I guess based on how Drinkbox has made a new IP and a new type of game, it doesn't seem like they'll go back to the Guacamelee franchise, at least for the foreseeable future. But I think Guacamelee 2 is a very good place for them to end on, at least for that IP. So definitely a fun time. And yeah, overall, not too much of a struggle. So definitely the challenge you guys gave, you guys gave me, I think, was very fair, at least in that regard. Yeah, that game is just so good. It, of course, made it onto my 2021 list, right? It, it surpassed Metroid Dread in its own category. Like, it basically was the underdog in the category. Of course, it released a long time ago. But I just enjoyed it just from start to finish, which Yasser has been texting me kind of on and off the past few weeks because he wants to play Drinkbox's new game, which is Nobody Saves the World. We just haven't gotten to it. And we were actually going to start it today. Uh, but because Elden Ring releases in a few days, he was like, well, I don't want to start it and then us never finish it. And I feel like Elden Ring is going to like just completely dominate your life. And I'm like, yeah, you're so right. Okay, yeah, I'll see you in a couple months. <laughs> but it's on Game Pass, so it's great. Um, I loved Guacamelee. I, I think that I played it initially with my friend uh, when he was in town. And I completely agree with you. I thought that the game was so difficult. But as soon as I went single player, I was like, no, this is this is completely manageable. Like I, I, I did the Konami code on the uh, main menu to unlock hard mode from the very beginning. So I only had one full playthrough. So you, of course, did two. But um, yeah, I was happy to kind of just go straight into hard mode. Fantastic game. Um, so moving on to the different spectrum. Tiffany. We challenged you to, was it, it was just to beat, right? Yeah, to clear Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 50, roll credits. Tiffany, talk us through your experience. What, what went on with Final Fantasy 15? So a lot of things happened. I didn't really get started on Final Fantasy 15 <laughs> until January. And then when I finally booted it up, I booted it literally a week before Pokemon's Legends Arceus came out. Mm. And I was like, where am I? What am I doing? How do I control anything? How do I fight? I kept trying to use R1 and R2 to battle because (laughs) I just finished God of War. That was not successful for me. And then I was like, where? What chapter am I even in? And so Mm -hmm. I... Found out I was in chapter two. So. Oh. Or rather, no, I was in chapter three. I was in chapter three, and then I took a little break to fish. I had a great time. You know, I probably fished for more than the amount of more than half the time that I spent playing the game. And then I beat chapter three. And then I was like, wow, oh. I'm actually in chapter three. Because the whole time I thought it was in chapter two. But no, I was in chapter three. <laughs> I got another sword for my family okay. of swords, whatever that plot line is. And I was like, man, this is, I like this. Like, why did I, why did I stop? And then Pokemon came out. And then you stopped. And then I never booted Final Fantasy 15 again. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I haven't even, like, I haven't finished that game. Oh, yeah, like, full disclosure. Um, but how how many chapters are there, like, total? Like, were you, is that halfway? I believe that there are 15 chapters because it is called oh. Final Fantasy 15. Oh, really? Do they usually do that? No, but I remember oh. being told that there are 15 chapters. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so chapter three is kind of like a little past the intro, potentially. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, well, interesting. So you kind of talked a little bit about um, why you went off the rails. So Pokemon Arceus, right, just overtook your life. Am I right? Yes. You know, you talked a little bit. Of course, you you went off three of 15, which, you know, in maybe a few more years, maybe you'll get there. <laughs> you, it's all because, what, Arcus came out a week later, and you just kind of went head over heels. Do you think, because we talked about this, we, we had a specifics on this same game, like Pokemon. Do you think that this is kind of the future of Pokemon? We haven't talked about it. I, don't I really think hope that it's Arcus. the future of Pokemon. So I really enjoyed my time with Final Fantasy XV. Um, and I really do want to go back to it because the exploration seems really fun. And to be honest, hearing all the, the talk about Elden Ring really makes me kind of like jonesing for an open world adventure. Because everyone's just talking about how like open world and fun Elden Ring is. Spoiler, sorry, Matt. Yeah. I've listened to a few reviews. Um, but Pokemon, so when Pokemon came out, and that being like a mini open world, right? It's like a, yeah. it's a middle range, like in between vast open world and then just a regular Pokemon game. And it was such mm-hmm. a nice breath of fresh air with that game that I had a great time. I sped through it in a weekend and I, Maybe in one week, I rolled credits. I have since put in a little over 50 hours into that game. And I'm trying to complete the Pokedex in my research status. Mm -hmm. And get basically, it's after you roll credits, it's like Legendary Central. I think there's like five sets of legendaries, potentially, that you go around like trying to capture and Mm -hmm. i really like how fluid the capturing system is i really like how fluid it is to get on and off your ride pokemon i like the hub world i loved building up my hub world my town of jubilife village everything that i did contributed to populating the town with pokemon and building buildings and stuff and a farm so i really hope that Pokemon moves forward in this direction and continues mm-hmm. all the quality of life improvements that it's created. So it has like base building to it too. I don't think I've heard any of that. So it's very limited base building. It's like, okay. you know, with the shops, you can upgrade what they sell and everything. And they have like set places you can see that they put down framework for buildings and stuff. And Mm -hmm. so like the more you do, the more you unlock, it just builds. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's not like you're placing buildings anywhere, but they have a framework set up and then more of the town gets populated. More people show up when you like show people Pokemon because they're like, I want to look at this one Pokemon. Like they end up like standing next to them for the rest of the game. 
and you can see Pokemon <laughs> populating the town. You know, because they're like, thanks for my new friend <laughs> and stuff like I want to stare at this Pokemon every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, from what you were saying about seeing the same Pokemon, what's really funny is that there are some runs that suggest, oh, I'm only going to give alpha Pokemon to these people or I'm only going to give shiny Pokemon to these people because they're static mm-hmm. for the rest of the game. So like when you walk around, you see people with like shiny things and you know or shiny pokemon and alpha pokemon so that's kind of a cool thing that you could do for your own run so i guess my like next question is like this mechanic you want this to be the next kind of iteration so like pokemon peach and mango or whatever the next one is going to be um you want it to be like arceus over something like sword and shield Yes. I mean, even one of the best quality of life improvements that I haven't mentioned is the fact that you can evolve your Pokemon when you want. So literally, it's just like it's ready to evolve. So you don't have to like constantly be stopping an evolution. It's literally on your own timeline. You can decide if you're going to evolve a Pokemon or not. And second, the move library. You literally don't like ever forget a move. You just have a move bank. And then every time you're at a point in the game when you're just like... Chill it. It could literally be out in the field or you could be back at Jubilife Village. You can just say like, this is the move setup I want mm. for my Pokemon and I'm going to set up these four moves, confirm it, and then move on and continue my Poke journey. You know what I mean? So that's that's really amazing. And those are things that I would have loved in the main game for for literally the last 10 years. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy that they're kind of taking these small steps, you know, like the steps that we kind of outlined because if they could have just kept on the iterations forever i feel like just kind of like the move based and just like the four moves and facing the final four and all that it has gotten super stale to me i am interested in arceus i think what's holding me back is kind of the the look of it i I just i don't know why i can't get past that i think i might pick it up eventually or might even pick it up when it comes to like the next iteration of switch like whether it's switch pro or something um my question to you is this kind of on the goatee list potential for this year a hundred percent on my goatee list right now literally my goatee right now i am in love with the game and i really hope that they bring the legends format to gosh if they brought the legends format to the second generation literally my Mm -hmm. favorite pokemon gen of all time i would die like of happiness. I re- you know and to be quite <laughs> frank, I if they announce a Pokemon DLC for this huh? game like in November instead of giving us like um a ninth gen or another it or like some spin-off game, like I think I would seriously buy the DLC if it's mm-hmm. like adding more Pokemon or adding some more missions or something. Because I think that Pokemon's Arceus uh, took a lot from the Sword and Shield DLC, even though I didn't play it. I saw a lot of reviews about it. Um, So I feel like that there's some more stuff that they could add to this game. And Mm -hmm. for so far in 2022, this is totally my... I'm not shy. This is my game of the year. Nice. Have you been playing anything else other than that? While you've been uh, avoiding Final Fantasy XV? 
I don't like how you've phrased that question <laughs> because I'm, listen, I totally have the intentions to go back to 15 because of how much I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. And let's see, games that I've been playing, you know, intermittently been playing Fall Guys. I finally okay. finished God of War uh, in the last like nice. six, seven weeks. I've started i've started a million games probably um in my dance with final fantasy 15 i was like oh i could play final fantasy 15 or (laughs) i could try this other game so i started lost in random uh for a little bit that was fun i do want to go back to that because i started that also within a couple weeks of Final Fantasy 15 and Pokemon's Arceus. So that was kind of a mistake. Also, fun fact, when I was riding the plane to visit mm-hmm. Alex, I booted up Mario Odyssey for the first time ever. And I beat nice. like three... No, I beat like two worlds. I'm actually having a lot of fun. And the re- honestly, the reason why I even booted mario odyssey was because of all the hype with kirby and the forgotten land so i wanted to see that if i really liked the style of gameplay that i might be interested in getting kirby sooner rather than later so that was something that i played so i've probably played around three and a half hours of mario odyssey so far and it's really fun but i also think that i might just go for like gameplay like rolling the credits like i don't know if i'm gonna go after all like 920 moons or whatever yeah i think that's fair i i honestly still to this day i think mario odyssey is hands down the best switch game out there which makes me so excited for kirby like i just i'm so excited for it so you should definitely play that definitely finish it because it is just like it just keeps getting better and i felt like i smiled the entire time i was playing it well cool well, Tiffany, you aren't alone, because I, too, had a challenge to beat It Takes Two, and I, too, failed in my challenge, which means I still owe you a couple pints of ice cream, because you were going to clear that debt um, if I finished it, and I didn't. So I wanted true. to just let you know on the podcast <laughs> that, you know, I still owe you some blue cow. So there you go. Anyway, um, I I guess where I'm at, I think I'm, I think I'm about halfway through. I haven't gotten to the elephant part, um, which I feel like a lot of people have been hyping up on the internet. So like, I know something happens with the elephant. Don't know what. Um, haven't gotten like any specific spoilers to me. But I'm just loving this game. Like this game, it was both. It was in both of your lists. I I think that you know I I definitely take your lists as part of a. a like a bouncing point to like the next year of anything I missed that if it's on your guys list, I I take that pretty high with recommendations. And so I completely see what you guys loved about this game. Like the the game is fantastic. I feel like it would have been really high on my list. And I I'm actually, since I didn't play that much of it, I'm going to include it in my ranking for potentially this year, just because I, I didn't really give it a good go last year. Um, but we'll see, you know, it's definitely something where I've got a lot of stuff to go for. And of course, it's not just my schedule (laughs) that I'm working with, which is part of the reason why, um, I haven't finished it, but, um, yeah, I'm just loving it. Love the game. And yeah, I've been trying to avoid spoilers like the plague, like the literal plague. 
what's your thoughts on like the writing? Because that's like the only thing that I wasn't like a hundred percent vibing with. Yeah, like I think that I think it's fine. I do think that the the um, two people I forget even what their name is May and Cody and May. Cody and May, yeah, like they're kind of annoying. Like it's like when you go out to eat with like your friends mom and dad and then the friends mom and dad start arguing and it's like it's not your mom and dad so you like you just feel like secondary embarrassment for everybody in the room and like everyone at the restaurant i don't know if you guys have ever been in that experience but that's exactly how i feel every single cut scene that they like start bickering i'm like guys stop it (laughs) the book's gonna come back (laughs) um i don't mind the book i think he's kind of eccentric but it kind of reminds me of joseph ferris as just a person anyway so it kind of makes me laugh and i love the easter eggs like they put in his oscar speech in one of the levels and i just died i just died laughing when i heard that um because of course it's part of a trophy so of course i'm getting it um but oh it's so good that whole the whole game is just a joy like it's just a ton of fun but honestly because I'm playing with a pretty non-gamer, we we play in hour increments, basically. So basically one chapter at a time, which is fine. It just bite sizes. So there's that. So for that experience, I'm actually curious where surprisingly this game is more involved than you think it is. Like when you start it up and like how it's advertised, it seems like, oh, this is a family game. It's about a husband and wife, you know, maybe not so family oriented Mm -hmm. theming right because it's a game about divorce or you know fixing a relationship but how is the gameplay itself in terms of being accessible to like people that don't typically play games especially platformers right which may be some of the hardest games for people that don't typically play games because it requires a lot of spatial awareness a lot of mastery of Mm -hmm. jumping and you know uh you know just knowing where you can go and safely land as opposed to just, you know, dying and having to respawn over and over again. So I was wondering, how's that experience been so far? Yeah, I've been surprised how much she's been able to, like, bounce back with some of the platforming. Like, some of them, like I I said this before, you just don't realize things that you've just taken for granted. If you see a shadow coming from the sky, that means something's about to squash you. But she has no experience of that. She's never played Super Mario 64 which that was like a common trope back in the 64 generation. And like to me, I've known that since for the past 20 years, basically, of that's what happens. But for her, she's just like, why is the screen getting darker? And then she dies. And then she's like, what, what the heck? <laughs> What's happening? Um, as far as the spatial and like jumping and swinging, the swinging is kind of a trouble because you have to like change your camera. And anything that involves two sticks is definitely not accessible like it's just not something that's very approachable to someone with no gaming experience everything else she's actually been doing pretty well uh she hates bosses because they kind of just get aggroed whenever they get aggroed onto her like she dies i mean like there's no defense (laughs) against a boss that aggroes onto you um but what i do appreciate is that the checkpoints are super generous like if you die halfway through a boss you don't start at the beginning you start at the halfway mark if you die 75 percent like they have like multiple checkpoints hidden checkpoints within a boss or within a platforming section to where you don't have to start from this from scratch because i I feel like they know 
that people that die are probably not going like maybe this is their first time and like i feel like if it were to send us back from the start of every boss match we probably would i'd be asking one of you if you want to play through it a second time because i don't think we would make it like i just don't think um it it's definitely tough so um i i think it's been pretty generous and i also like that as long as not both of you die you survive as a team because i just go into full defense mode i start standing i'm like all right we're not we're not dying here not not like this have you ever swapped controllers to be a different character based on the gameplay of that level i have offered to and she has refused because she's like no I want to get this and like my because there's been a couple times I think during the um during the B stage Cody was because I'm Cody and she's May I'm like sticking all these B's and she has to get like pretty good precision of like using two sticks to then shoot the B's with like a match whatever I guess like gameplay spoilers um and I was like this is not gonna go well like I'm basically doing hip fire and she's like very accurate that's just the gameplay and i was like do you want to switch and she's like no no i'm gonna get this and i was like okay (laughs) but she actually like she nailed it so um i i've definitely offered which it's nice because we're doing couch co-op you know it's not something that you when you all played together you just didn't have that experience yeah because alex and i played online and i'm not gonna lie there was a couple times i wanted to switch mainly because i was like that part looks more fun. Like I want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the mini games are really fun too. Like I think they're just like mindless, just like pretty, pretty easy. Um, so yeah, th- there's actually one cause in general, I'm like not trying to take it easy under anything. So I'm like beating her in these mini games, but she like destroys me in this one mini game where it's like, you're you have a baseball bat and you're like hitting balls that go around in a circle. And she was just nailing the timing. And I just like could not catch up. Like I was legitimately losing time and time again. And I was like, okay, time to move on. <laughs> but it's just a lot of fun. I think it's, it's definitely something um, that I would recommend to people. Um, especially if they don't have a gaming background. Yeah, honestly, best game of 2021. And it also came out so early. I think it came out like yeah. February or March. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I've I've definitely I definitely been wanting to get back to it. Uh, but our schedules have just not been jiving with that. But that makes me go more towards single player. And I wanted to tell you guys about a couple games that I've been playing this year that potentially are on my goatee list. Um, you know, I started with Mass Effect 2, which is a fantastic game. A lot of people's favorite Mass Effect of the series. Alex, have you played Mass Effect 2? Did you finish it? Like, I know we've been kind of replaying it similar time frames, but I'm not sure where you're at with it. Yeah, I've just done the primary mission. So I've met, and I think her name is Tali. So whatever that... Yeah. And that's like the first like real main mission where you're like, you're meeting your old crew again from the first game. So very early into it, haven't really touched it since, but definitely from just the beginning, it already feels better to play to me. And I guess part of that is the gunplay, right? How now instead of the overheat mechanic from the first game, 
the guns all have actual ammo and there's clips. And I think the feedback of the weapons just feels a lot better, right? Because even though the first game, you know, there's a lot of energy weapons, just the actual like shooting and how the enemies react didn't feel that satisfying to Mm -hmm. me. But, you know, the more, I guess, visual feedback that two presents, you know, and enemies getting hit or staggering, and then also just the visual effects of like shields dissipating right and then actually hitting an enemy's health overall just looks cleaner. So definitely I'm mm-hmm. interested to get into it, but it's kind of like on that back burner. Like you said, you know, it's a series I never played originally when it came out, you know, 10 plus years ago, but definitely I'm happy I picked up the legendary collection so I could play through all the games. So one was a great time. I could see why people thought, you know, this is the start of something special. And I know a lot of people say Mass Effect 2 is their favorite game mm-hmm. of all time, period. So definitely has a lot of weight on its shoulders to prove that to me. But based on the at least the first couple hours, I can already see the, the makings of greatness. Yeah, it, it's a fantastic game. I really enjoyed it. I played Dead by Daylight with a bunch of Mass Effect fans. And they're, like, asking me all these questions from, like, super fans to ask me, like, what I felt about certain things. And it was it was just interesting to talk to them. I was like, yeah, like, I'll probably wait a little bit for Mass Effect 3. And two of them were like, that's fine. Take all the time you need. Like, there's nothing special. Mass Effect 2 is the peak. And I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that was a great way to start the year, uh, definitely. But the game that has been my favorite game of this year that was also released this year was Sifu. PlayStation console exclusive hand-to-hand combat from the uh, Slow Clap, which is the makers of Absolver, which I did not play. But it is, it's basically an homage to kind of old Kung Fu m- movies. And it is a tough game, but it is so much, it's just, it's just so much fun. It, it is just a, a blast. You like these environments that you're going through and the animations that you're doing it, it's very much like kind of the the quick uh hand movements of like jackie chan from rush hour when he's like disarming a guard and then like putting handcuffs on them and then putting it on there and then slapping him in the face and then pushing another person down the stairs like that kind of electric um action that i loved growing up was finally displayed in a video game style and i honestly like if you would have asked kid matt hey hey matt you know do you think that you'll ever see this in a video game? I'd be like, no, absolutely not. As I play Ocarina of Time, like I would not have imagined that this would be a possibility, but it is just so beautiful. And I'm really happy that there's going to be an easy mode for this. I know that's like a huge debate, I feel like, on 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 the internets and Reddit, but I'm really happy that there's going to be an easy mode because I just want more people to experience like the just the energy of pulling off a, a really cool takedown on some of these bosses and many bosses. It's just so much fun. I, I could go on and on, but it's definitely taking the cake for the first couple months. Um, got the platinum, beat it. Um, it's just fantastic. Fantastic game. Are, are either of you looking to play that when it goes on sale with an easy mode? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the update to add the easy and harder difficulties didn't really change my opinion of it. But definitely having watched a friend play through the first three bosses of the game, I could see that there's a lot of interesting ways that when you look at the game, you know, it people call it a roguelike or roguelite, but it doesn't really feel like that. Like it feels more mm-hmm. like just kind of a beat em up 
style game, right? Because, you know, there's each level is segmented with shortcuts that you can unlock to then make the level easier to go through. And I can see that potentially being the roguelite aspect, but also at the same time, each level, right? When you start the level from the beginning, it's how you entered the level uh, from the previous levels. And so it yeah. kind of feels like to me, this is more of an arcadey style game where it's like, really, you're meant to play this over a period of time. It's something I am just, you know, relating to like Streets of Rage. Uh, Cause in recent years, I really like uh, Streets of Rage four. And so that's a game that's really meant to, you know, pick up and play, set it down and come back to it. Some other point in the future. I know with seafood, it seems a little bit more demanding because of how I guess specific the combat is. So you really need to mm-hmm. be, on top of you know parrying enemy attacks dodging it right managing your uh was it stature or structure yeah. meter yeah. um and so i know it's a little bit more demanding than your typical beat up but that's what appeals to me about it is that it's not so much a game that's a roguelite about like building your character or something like that even though there are persistent upgrades but it's something i could play one level and like come back to a mm. weak level later play second level it's like a very casual experience so yeah definitely something i'm looking forward to picking up later in the year because obviously right now there's a lot of bigger games out there so not to say you know i'm looking down upon it because it's a smaller experience because it seems like it's something you can beat in under 10 hours or so uh but it is more of an indie style game so definitely i'm interested uh at a later point but yeah and also just the visuals i think it has a very solid art style that makes it unique and mm-hmm. as you mentioned right it is an homage to like old kung fu movies so there's a lot of that you know one-on-one personal feeling a lot of these fights are one-on-one and also just the yeah not to ruin anything but there's a lot of surreal visuals that make it look yeah. interesting so definitely yeah i'm uh, i'll pick it up at some point yeah i'm excited to see what you say because it is just so so good i i'm really enjoying it or i really enjoyed it um, and then the last thing that I actually just planned on today was a recommendation from our very own Tiffany. It was Detroit becomes become human. It was a very narrative experience from Quantic Dream. It is something that I liked it enough to go back for the Platinum because the Platinum is a beast and it takes a lot of playthroughs. I probably played through it about three times. So I spent about 25 to 30 hours on this Platinum just in the past, probably a little bit before Sifu, but then especially the past few days kind of leading up to Elden Ring, just kind of wanted to finish it off. Fantastic game. I, like, honestly, I am so excited for their Star Wars um, game that they're going to come out with. Just like the narrative, how every single way that you approach someone affects how they see you and then may affect future missions you may get extra missions you may get less missions based on what you chose in the in the previous i just loved it tiffany what what like drew you what what's kind of your history with detroit so i remember hearing about this game and i'm a space girl sometimes or no no i would say i'm a space girl (laughs) a lot of the times android girl some of the times. And so when I found out about this game, they had a demo and I, I I just decided to download it and check it out a week before the game was going to be released. Uh While playing the demo, I was like so in love with it. I can't remember. It's, it was essentially like maybe one of the first chapters of the game. It was when Connor was on a crime scene investigating a crime. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's the first chapter. So I was like, 
you know, looking at different objects. I was choosing choices. Like the first thing I looked at was that there was a fish on the ground. And I was like, like pick up the fish and put it back or leave the fish. And I was like, (laughs) I'm going to pick up the fish and put it back. And so I was like doing these weird things. And then I was like, I I need to get this game. So I immediately Mm -hmm. like pre-ordered it when um like in the middle of the whole scene like when i go into the bedroom and i'm like just searching around and i was like i need to get this like this is this is really cool and i'm not i have not played a telltale game before but this Mm -hmm. seemed more i don't know this just seemed more like there was more to it with the storytelling and the gameplay interactions and when the game came out i excitedly you know it came out on like a friday i remember just playing through the whole weekend and like i'm I think I beat it or like did a playthrough within like the first weekend or week of the game, but I really enjoyed my time. I loved Connor. I enjoyed Kara and Marcus's storyline was intense to say the Mm -hmm. least. Um, But like Connor and old man dude that I forgot his name, like trying to build my relationship with the two of them brought me joy. And like, you know, when I played through the game, I was trying my best to make sure that everyone survived at the end because there are, you know, precarious situations. But I couldn't bring myself to go after the platinum because I felt like for me, I had my one true run. You know, like I made Mm -hmm. all my choices and I stuck to them. Like, did I regret some of them? Maybe, you know, based on what had happened. But I couldn't like, I, I don't know. It was just too soon to try to just go back and like just make different choices just because I did a relatively peaceful run and so like the thought of going through Matt just like nodded his head because one of my choices was very lethal at the very beginning but anyway um the thought of like going through and then like immediately choosing the exact opposite of what I had done I just couldn't bring myself to do it and I was like you know what these are my choices and I have to live with the story that I've created for myself um but overall I loved it and so like finding out that there was there's going to be a star wars game coming about quantic dream made me really excited because with the gameplay style and the storytelling aspect that could come from a star wars universe like i'm i'm in and i'm only even star wars adjacent dude Mm -hmm. could you imagine if grogu or mando was in that game like i would die i mean i know it's not because it's like a like i don't know if it's a thousand years in the past or something but like i'm i'm in I was about to say, you know, you said that you're a star, you're a star girl and an android girl. Well, do I have a series for you? Because Star Wars has both, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And for Quantic Dream, I just think it's going to be great. I, I, what I love about this game is what Telltale does as well, is that this came out in like 2018, right? And you made those choices in that weekend. And then little did you know that four years later, someone would be sending you screenshots of because I only had one friend that played this and it was you. And so I could see what choices you made. And anytime like you just like straight up murk someone, I was like, dang, Tiffany, heartless. <laughs> it's like judging you from four years, four years later. Honestly, oh, that's such kind a of amazing. Experience. Cause like you yeah. saw my one true run. Yeah. Oh, and, like, so compare. good. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, Alex, though, I want to give you time because you, you did your challenge and then you were able to do almost kind of like what we were supposed to do, right? You did your challenge. Then you got to play other games afterwards. You did it right. So what have you been playing? What have you been up to? 
Yeah, you know, I got my homework done early, so I know I'm exactly. Going, I'm going in for the extra credit now. Uh, <laughs> I would say I've mostly been playing two games. You know, there are a few games I play on my usual rotation uh, in between yeah. stuff. You know, a little bit of League of Legends, a little bit of Apex Legends. Uh, but besides those games, the two main games I've been playing since having uh, finished Guacamelee 2, you know, as Matt mentioned, a game that also is probably going to be in my top six games of 2022, and that is SnowRunner. So for, the, for those of you that don't know, SnowRunner is basically a Strand game. And for those of you that don't know Strand games, just go play Death Stranding by Hideo Kojima. You know, it's on Steam. <laughs> it's on, I think, Epic Game Store. You can play it on PlayStation. You know, it's not on Xbox or Switch, but at least you can get it on, you know, the two major platforms that matter. Uh, but so SnowRunner is made by Saber Interactive. You know, uh, they've done a lot of stuff like World War Z and other, I think they've done some simulator games, but they're, they, they're, repertoire is very diverse. But when you look at a game like SnowRunner, these are from the devs that, uh, you might have heard of something called Spin Tires, which was essentially a tech demo that came out uh, in around 2013, 2014, that simulated uh, wheel uh, physics with deform or terrain deformation, essentially. So it's essentially realistic ways that when you drive a vehicle through mud or snow or dirt, how the terrain will then right crumble away or wear away as you're driving through it. And so, as you might think, SnowRunner is what that tech demo was, but on top of that, they included snow physics as well. And so, essentially, what this game is, it's just you're delivering cargo. It's like the whole point of the game is it's set, quote-unquote, post-apocalyptic, so a natural disaster has occurred in the world, and you're going to these locations on Earth, so something like Michigan, Alaska, Russia, and you're rebuilding infrastructure in the area that was destroyed by these natural disasters. So essentially you're delivering cargo. So stuff like wooden planks, metal beams, and it's just point A to point B, you know, you pick up the cargo from a warehouse and you got to make it to the delivery point to build a bridge. You got to build a warehouse, you know, somewhere else, you know, this is like FedEx simulator. (laughs) It's essentially is, but in a post-apocalyptic world, right? So you're not like, you don't worry about, like humans on the road there's no pedestrians or anything you're just running the cargo back and forth so it's a very serene experience because there's zero uh dialogue so no one's talking to you there's like no narrator or anything everything is through text and it's as simple as saying i you know they'll give you some sort of story because it might be a specific person that quote-unquote is requesting can you deliver four sets of wooden planks to me because I want to like rebuild my house or whatever. And it's that that's as much story as you're going to get. But because of that, right, it's so direct in its gameplay and it's very easy to understand to say, hey, this cargo takes up two slots on your truck. Oh, your truck only has two slots. You can only carry one piece of cargo at a time. How do you carry more? You have to buy a trailer, which you tack to the back of your truck, which also has two slots. So then you can carry two pieces of cargo. But then you have to take into account, oh, that makes your truck heavier, right? Because you're driving more cargo with you. So if you have a not as powerful engine, it's going to take longer to get there, right? So there is a lot of, I guess, small decision making you have to make. It's not super intense. So I don't think this should scare anyone away. But it really fills a very specific niche of 
wanting to just drive a car around. And I think this is something that came around from having played Forza Horizon last year, where I was interested in an open world type of driving or racing game. There's no racing in this game, but uh, at least it kind of fills that niche. And I think the world is more interesting potentially than something like Horizon because there's a lot of, I guess, pre-planning that you need to do. So the in the game, the trucks that you drive are divided in different classes. And there's a specific class of vehicles called the Scout class, which, as you might suspect, is meant for scouting out terrain. So essentially, it's a way for you to understand, oh, I could take this shorter route to get to where I need to go, but it's more dangerous if I take a bigger truck there because of how the turns are or how steep the incline is. So there's a lot of ways that you have to decide, well, I can take this longer, safer route, especially when I'm hauling cargo, but it might take me an extra 10, 15 minutes. But, you know, ultimately it is better, right? Because if you tip over, you the cargo can dislodge from your truck and you either have to manually bring another truck to pick up the cargo to load it back on your truck or you just have to say forget it and then go back to the warehouse and get fresh cargo and try the trip all over again. This totally sounds like a Strand game. Everything yeah. you said. Yeah. Did you play yeah. Death Stranding? I did. So it's one of the few PlayStation, I guess, what you might say first party, even though it was developed by Kojima. So it's more of a second party title. Uh, but it's one of the few games I didn't platinum because uh, I know there's okay. a lot of deliveries in that game. I just couldn't be bothered to do mostly because that game also had the quote unquote ghosts, right? Which were the BTs. And I wasn't about that. That was like just enough horror to keep me <laughs> dissuaded from wanting to go back, knowing I would have to deal with them again. But yeah, in SnowRunner, the fact that there isn't anything, right? It's just your truck and the terrain. There's no people, there's no ghosts, like nothing to really impede you besides how greedy are you or how ambitious are you about getting your cargo there as fast as possible. So I think this is filling a really interesting niche that, at least for me, I was looking for because I did enjoy the idea of Death Stranding, just not the kind of horror or more spooky elements of it. So this is a very nice medium to say, I can drive a vehicle and deliver packages at the same time. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, what so else that's a game I, yeah, mostly been playing that, but recently, you know, as of recording this, uh, one certain game has finally released, and that is Horizon Forbidden West. Nice. And I haven't gone that deep into it. I'm probably, I'm a, about four hours in, but when you look at this game, and you, and you might hear reviews about it, it's definitely a game with a lot of content. There's a lot of things to do in here. And I'm not even out of the first, I guess, quote unquote area because the way that kind of the beginning of the game starts is there's a linear section that then opens up to kind of the rest of the world map. And I've done that linear section and I've done the kind of most of the initial part of the world map, but I still have at least like 80 to 90% of the world map to go that I haven't unlocked or been to yet. Like I haven't been to the titular Forbidden West yet that's how much content there is in the game okay so i would say definitely when i was playing the linear section you know it does the the linear section is more like a tutorial to help remind you this is how you play horizon the the, these are the mechanics the sneaking the scanning with the focus and that first kind of open section before you go to the forbidden west is meant to give you the chances to use what you learned in the linear section 
So definitely there's that kind of obvious, hey, let's remind you how to play the game. And then here's the way mm-hmm. to ease you back into it, right? There's only a handful of machines you have to deal with. So it's a very straightforward. Uh, but once I finally got to that first open part, immediately, even though uh, I only played Horizon basically one time through, back when the game came out all the way in 2017, mm-hmm. all those memories flooded back. And it just reminded me of when I played that game back on release. And definitely it w- they were good memories. You know, it felt good to be, to be back in the world, especially on PS5. It runs a lot better. And... You know, it looks great. And definitely from my initial expectations, you know, this does feel like an 89 type of game or a 90, you know. Right now it's sitting on Metacritic at an 89. So definitely I think this is a well-deserved score. And based on kind of the glitches I've seen and maybe some of the dialogue, I think the 9 out of 10 seems like a fair score. Obviously, I'm barely into this, maybe like a tenth of the way through it. So it's my opinion will most likely change later on, especially Mm -hmm. depending upon how good the story is. But I think there's a lot of fun to be had here. And, you know, this being one of the first major games to come out kind of in the February, March timeline, it's definitely a good first game to come out and to be able to enjoy but you know it's got a lot of stiff competition coming up but i'd say mm-hmm. I, I i think horizon will definitely be up there in my top 2022 but you know we'll see depending upon everything else yeah it looks amazing like i've seen photo modes like that people have just been sharing on twitter it looks beautiful like this game looks so good and like i just finished uh horizon zero dawn earlier this year and it was i thought it was pretty i i like was like well like how much better can they make it look and it looks so good the facial animation which like i know that they use that the engine from death stranding and like i saw this video yesterday of like uh aloy walking through like a forest and like the trees the leaves in the trees were blowing like with like a gust of wind and stuff it's just crazy what like amount of detail is going into it i'm really excited to play the game i'll for sure play it before the end is out but I just couldn't put myself through an open world when I know I'm about to play Elden Ring. Is this the fate of the Horizon series to always like come out a week or two before another open world game? I know. It's kind of like it was, what, a week before Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and Breath of the Wild had a 96 Metacritic or something crazy like that. And then... Uh, <laughs> It's a week before Elden Ring, which right now Elden Ring's sitting at a 98 Metacritic, which is crazy to me. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's just meant to be that, like, Horizon is kind of like a horseman of the apocalypse. But instead of the apocalypse, it's like horsemen of, like, a fantastic game. <laughs> but they're both great games. I'm sure they're great. Oh, always the bridesmaid and never the bride, sadly. <laughs> yeah. Well, with that, everybody, that will wrap it for episode 62 of the RXP podcast. If you want to chime in on some of the things that you've been playing, hit us up on Twitter at RXP underscore podcast or email us at RXP.podcast at gmail.com. Of course, now we're live on YouTube. So find us as RXP podcast, like, subscribe, all those things. Leave a comment below. And of course, we're going to leave you with some tunes from Grandmaster Doug. We will see you next time.
in general, I'm like not trying to take it easy on her or anything. So I'm like beating her in these mini games. Oh yeah. 